Welcome to the Evoke EQ podcast, where we have emotionally intelligent conversations for evolving leaders. I am your host, Whitney Warren, a multi-passionate entrepreneur, EQ trainer, certified Enneagram facilitator, big stage speaker, and curious question asker. If self-growth, compassionate leadership, and changing the world are your idea of a good time, then you've come to the right place. Let's dig in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Evoke EQ podcast. I am so pleased to have Kara Dobles here today. Kara has worn a number of medical hats throughout her career. After 10 years in corporate healthcare as a critical care nurse and administrator, she became ethically and morally conflicted about the state of corporate healthcare. Together with her business partner, Sarah Lee, they opened Integrative Family Medicine, the first integrative medical practice in her city in November of 2020, with the intention of offering a holistic approach to healthcare. IFM's holistic approach sees the person for who they are and not their labels. While prescribing medicine, while prescribing medicine and other modern remedies, while prescribing medicine and other modern remedies are part of the repertoire, so is integrative counseling, Reiki, and longer appointment times to ensure the patient is fully heard and not just seen for an isolated problem, with the goal of guiding the patient back to their true and best self, sometimes for the first time. Kara is a fellow Enneagram 8, also quite the enthusiast, and we have been on quite the ride as friends and fellow business owners over the past year, and she has been using the Enneagram system with her team and herself, as of course you know I am, so this will be a heavily laced Enneagram conversation along with like, what does it mean to be a leader? And something Kara and I talk so much about as friends is our own healing journeys and what it has taken from the both of us. And we share a lot in common. So we get to share from a place of we a lot of times, but what is it it has taken for each of us, not just to lead, but feel supported as a leader. So Kara, the very first question I would love to ask you is what does it mean to you to be a leader? Well, thank you for having me. I am super excited to have our typical eight discussions on your podcast because I feel like this is the nature of how you and I just get to interact now. And it is, it's one of my most wonderful business relationships, friendships now, because once you start cutting the crap out of your relationships and for us, it was this mutual eight space. Mm -hmm. I mean, really makes the relationships that you have so much so much more meaningful you want mm-hmm. to put the time into it mm-hmm. and uh, i think when i take a look at what it takes from us to truly lead it has mm-hmm. been learning fully and wholly about myself my mm-hmm. deepest self my highest self what i like to call the authentic self because once we know ourselves we no longer project that from a subconscious level onto others. What and is that? that? What are we projecting onto others? I'm going to clarify because I love, I want to make sure everybody understands. What are we projecting onto others when we don't know ourselves? Usually our fears mm-hmm. and our own self-limiting beliefs. So mm-hmm. if you've ever had that person in a group meeting and you guys are going to do a brand new project and maybe it's it's out of the ordinary for a corporate healthcare location mm-hmm. and you know amongst the five amongst like a five a six you know these ones who are going to want some very specific things those who are pushing back against the project may be their core self as we find in the enneagram 
but it may be their fear-based self. And those are the things that when we adopt these labels, when we identify that we are something other than our highest and best self, or we think that we are less than, we project that into everything that we do. So that is one of the easiest examples I see, especially when it comes to the workplace and workplace Mm -hmm. culture is the misunderstanding of ourselves and then taking on other people's things as what is ourselves because maybe we're a certain a certain number and that is our Mm -hmm. tendency and I remember discovering when like my best self is controlling the situation (laughs) and some people's worst fear as a number is being controlled and you put those people on a team Mm -hmm. and if our like subconscious is projecting our own self-limiting beliefs which as an aid is like I don't want to be vulnerable I don't want to mm-hmm. trust you. And then somebody else who doesn't want to be controlled is like, no, they're not telling me what to do with this project. And then we wonder why it all fails. It's like, well, yeah. in order to actually do and have teamwork, we have to know ourselves yeah. and know when to say that's me and that's, that's you. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, you know, we both come from a place we want power and control. So fear Fear is tied to what we want, right? Or what we fear we're going to lose. And if you're set up like you and I are, we're driven and drawn by power and control. And you mentioned like numbers like five and six. I, before I started this work, I would come into, you know, what I would call conflict quite a bit with both of those styles as well. I don't think it's actually all that rare for people who are set up like you and I to come in conflict with some of those more cerebral types because you and I are action. Can we do it? Let's do it. Whereas a cerebral type is going to question by nature. They're going to slow it down, especially a five. A five is going to want to understand every single part of the process. And a six is going to want to understand that they're going to be safe and they're going to tell you all the things that could go wrong. If you're power and control oriented and you've got a plan and you're ready to take action and all of a sudden people are like, well, here's all the things you haven't thought about. If I'm not aware of what's happening there, that they are, they're asking questions for our mutual safety, for to get us to where we need to go, to make sure I'm thinking about these things. I know that I have overreacted. And I guess when I say overreacted, I've just reacted. I've reacted and made that about me possibly failing or not getting it right or not having control rather than being able to make space for their questions that could actually support us in getting to a better place through action. But I had to know that that stuff was going to tick me off one way or the other so that I could pause Mm -hmm. and be like, wait a second, am I actually upset about this? Or is this something I get to listen to? Thoughts on that? Well, as you, I want to go back to what you said about the eight is Mm -hmm. our driving factors. You know, we love the intensity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you mentioned what we fear we are going to lose as a piece of the motivating you know, entire motivation. And I'm an eight, three, five. So, I mean, when we want to, if you want to put numbers to a 30 K foot thinker of Mm -hmm. where we, I I know we are going Mm -hmm. like that is me. Mm -hmm. And so there are pieces where if I was being questioned because I'm that eight, three, five, I'm like, dude, I've thought of it all. And on, mm-hmm. by all means, sometimes there are, there were meetings where I was like, yeah, she just like thought of it all. But I wasn't allowing the space. Mm-hmm. And that's what I say about the practice is, you know, we have to allow the space for somebody to be seen and heard. And 
I think it goes deeper into my healing journey. So when you mention what we fear we are going to lose, there's in terms of our happiness and our well-being and our levels of consciousness, there's a vibrational scale of emotions and it's Hawkins scale. You can Google it. It's it's there. So when we sit in certain emotions that are fear-based, like guilt, shame, it keeps us in a low space and where we need to vibrate from is from a higher space of happiness, love, joy to create harmony. Mm-hmm. And once I realized that using that fear to drive my goals was actually my self-limiting belief, because in the end, I would end up self-sabotaging something. And mm-hmm. I didn't know why. And it's because already I was running off of fear, which is a low vibration. Mm-hmm. And I'm pushing it. And it's like, I know we can do it because I'm an eight and I think I can do anything anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the things wouldn't always work out because mm-hmm. I was using fear to drive that dopamine or that, that space. Yep. And when I learned how to find my higher self, and that was a whole piece of the eight, learning I was an eight, three, five came actually, I would say towards the like smoothness. Mm-hmm. The, the deep work I had done for the last two to three years. Mm-hmm. You were kind of coming but, down. My experience when we really started interacting and talking was you had done a ton of work and this was like another piece of the puzzle. Yep. And it was the clincher because it was great for me to have the affirmation of the things that I knew. Mm-hmm. But I will never forget reading the last page of that big old packet. What is it? 40 <laughs> pages worth? Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> and it talks about where the eight needs to come from. And I had done my Reiki certifications. I had been engaging in a daily meditative spiritual practice for a year and learning to open my heart. Mm -hmm. And that is on the last page as an eight on that big packet that you get. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I knew it. I knew it all along. Mm -hmm. But the logical brain, the cerebral part of me, that five is like, prove it to me that like what I had to do to make this shift. And so uh, it was a really fun discovery. And I mean, it was the clincher, I think, on everything for me to truly like kind of synthesize everything. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to that fear-based space because once mm-hmm. I learned how to come out of that and lift into my heart and open my heart space, as I mentioned, as an eight, things really shifted for me. Those tumultuous like mm-hmm. interactions where I'm like, you don't understand how this went wrong or like why I'm always in conflict because I really, I don't want to be that kind of person. Why am I? Yeah. Yeah. And I, those things just stopped. Like mm-hmm. things started flowing. And that's what happens is you get into a flow. And then when we come to trust as an eight and controlling is like, I can trust myself that I can now ebb and flow with the variation of the day. And I can listen to myself to make the right decision. And so Sometimes if you're getting into the integrative stuff or the spiritual side, they're like, oh, do you manifest or whatever? It's like, I consider manifesting no different than these self-regulatory skills is, Mm -hmm. am I tapped into the flow of the universe? And can I respond to it? Like Mm -hmm. actually genuinely hear my higher self and the answer say, this is that. This is how businesses fail. This is how teams fail. Projects fail is because somebody gets too scared and you're mm-hmm. making decisions based out of fear. Well, let's not do that because we don't have that money. And it's like, I think you and I both know, like sometimes to save your business, you're like, I've got to put $50,000 into marketing that mm-hmm. I don't have, but I know I won't, ha- I for sure won't have anything if I don't do that. Yeah. And so learning that space and how to operate out of the heart and learning to trust myself 
mm-hmm. which is something because other people's fears would doubt me, caused mm-hmm. me to label myself. Mm-hmm. Things things have changed for me, my friend. <laughs> Gosh, we got to talk about this because I got chills when you said that. Because right now I'm writing a lot about trust as a leader. And, you know, I only have one perspective, right? I am an eight and, <laughs> and lots of my friends are eights. You know, so I'm surrounded by this. But for people who appear to trust themselves so much, I believe that I appear, you know, at at times this is very true and at times it is not, but I appear to trust myself very much. I've gotten this feedback my whole life. Like people are just actually flabbergasted. Like, oh, you're just going to, you say that and you're just going to do it. They don't believe that I just trust my choices that much. And in fact, if anybody asks me my like one piece of advice, oh my gosh, I just, this just happened in my brain. If anybody asks me, okay, what's your one piece of advice you would give to anybody coming out of high school, college, owning a business, I would say, trust yourself first. Of course I would. But you just tapped into something huge is that I think for me, there's that trust in myself piece that I had to build strong enough that I could trust others. And it's one thing to trust yourself far enough to get it done. But in order to do anything big or worthwhile, we have to trust ourselves with others. And I'm curious, what has it taken for you to not just trust yourself, but to trust yourself with others? What has that looked like, felt like? Well, trusting yourself, to me, let's break down my eight. Like, I'm a sexual eight. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I'm instinctual, Mm -hmm. which means like when I think of something immediately or I have like an immediate reaction, sure. I'm a gut type. Mm -hmm. You have to physically move me to change my mind, Mm -hmm. which is also hard because I'm six foot tall and, you know. (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) So it's like. You walk in like a goddess and you're like, move me. (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like, you know, you say this, you appear to trust yourself. And it's like. Our level of confidence is so high because of the the sexual eight, mm-hmm. that instinctual gut type have to move me. So you can be wrong standing mm-hmm. up there mm-hmm. teaching a whole crowd about it. And you don't think you are wrong because you are coming from a place of authenticity yeah. where you're like, no, I know this. Like, and frankly, if you didn't know any otherwise, like, sure, you're not technically wrong yet. Mm-hmm. Um but the trust is there's a, was another component to me that helped me synthesize it is in human design. You can find a free mm. human design calculator. Love, I love I'm it. A, yeah, I'm a human design projector and I'm a splenic mm. projector. So splenic projectors are a gut feeling about something. You will have an immediate reaction, not reaction, a response internally to you. And projectors are high feelers. They're, we're meant to be here to guide. There's like mm. only 20% of us out of yeah, all you're, the Aren't you types. the least common type or is no, that the other? There's, there's reflectors, the, yeah, there's reflector. even less okay. than that. Yeah. But most people are generators where there's that and that's what they drive on. They have endless energy. I mean, I get exhausted. Like I wondered why I felt like I was always taking on everybody's energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, <laughs> because you were. <laughs> so yeah, because it was. But it was really nice to learn about that splenic projector. And I can sit here and think now between knowing that and then when we did the like acts like, thinks like, feels like with the Enneagram, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, you know how to trust yourself, but sometimes you need the affirmation from somebody who says, yeah, this is. Mm -hmm. And so 
I tell people now it's either a, a yes mm-hmm. or a no, mm-hmm. like immediately, or it's, I don't know. And if it's, if it's an, I don't know, I don't make any decision, mm. but if it's fuck yes or a fuck no, I'm absolutely doing it because I have learned to balance myself, open my heart, live from that space. That would be different if I was still living out of a fear-based space. I would say that's that's not the right response. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, I got to listen to my body. And I tell you some of the biggest mistakes mm-hmm. like in my business and growing this were when I made a decision and or went against what my body said. What mm-hmm. those these innate things that the Enneagram and human design and all these things are telling us how we make it. I just I don't deviate from that now. And now because I won't leave myself for anyone else anymore. I mean, that's what builds like the true trust within me is knowing that I can no longer abandon myself mm-hmm. to play this game and of of life, of business, healthcare, that. If it just means me living in that authentic space keeps my business the size that it is, and this is how we are meant to exist, then I will know that that is how it's meant to exist. Evoke, to bring forward, recall, or uncover. Emotional quotient, otherwise known as EQ or emotional intelligence, is the ability to consistently understand and manage your emotions. This is the skill set behind effective communication, conflict resolution, compassion, resilience, and personal power. At Evoke EQ, we train evolving leaders on how to expand their impact by transforming internal resistance into abundant energy for your career, your teammates, and your organization. Join us on this expansive journey as we work to make the Midwest an emotionally intelligent place to work and live. You've brought in two really big concepts that I think confuse people. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say them both now and, and see if we can touch back on them. But you brought in authentic self and you also brought into this space. Uh, what was it? It was big. Hang on. I don't remember. I'll get back there. But when you talked about the authentic self, you talked about how you can be standing up on a stage in front of tons of people sharing what you believe is true. And then you just haven't awakened to what is actually true, right? Like, and I think that can happen, especially with aides who project confidence as a strategy. Like that's one of the things I was writing about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's literally a mask. And not to say that I don't, whatever you project, you also practice. So like, there's an interesting thing there of like, yes, you and I have grown up. I definitely have grown up projecting confidence, but it took me a while for that to be grounded true internalized confidence. And I think it's the same thing with authenticity. I would venture to guess that a decade ago when you were sharing and talking and, you know, you've always been a teacher, it's just who you are, that you also believed that what you were sharing was authentic. Mm -hmm. But we have different levels of that. And I also believe that even though I am where I am, I hope that I have a significant level of self-awareness, but I am also very clear that I will always have another level of that, another way to learn. So my question about the authentic self is, how do you know when you're in it? Or like, how do you know you're in it and not just fooling yourself into being in it? What are the indicators of, yes, I'm here or yes, I'm pretending to be here? Sure. 
That's like, yeah, this is, this is how we can fool ourselves. This is hard. And you think about how many people are in positions of power who may also be eights. And, you know, we believe that we're in there, but it comes back to that place of where we already started is Mm -hmm. the fear is what's driving us, which means that it's then driving the masses of people Mm -hmm. in that same direction to somebody who has not done the work to know their authentic self. Mm -hmm. And so for me, authenticity is, do you know yourself on the deepest level possible? Mm -hmm. I say it you know, as we build a practice and we do trainings around here is you can only take people as deep as you've gone yourself. And that piece becomes these, you know, when we think of the integrated model, the body, the brain, the heart, the Mm -hmm. soul, sorry, the body, brain, soul, Mm -hmm. mind, body, spirit concept. Mm -hmm. We all have these, we all have a physical body an emotional body and a mental body and a spiritual or an energetic, like the quantum field, if you don't like to use the thing around us. Mm -hmm. And so what we see in our reality of each other is like that aura or the picture of the person, which is the projection of the physical, the emotional and the mental. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certain numbers will be in a different category more than others. And then we oftentimes engage in self-healing work by saying my emotional body is out of whack. I need to learn how to manage this or my overthink things. How do I feel things? Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, we need all of those things. We just have to know where each of them is overriding mm-hmm. that it's so many people will dissociate and disembody. Mm-hmm. So a piece of knowing your authentic self is learning how can I be present in my body? Mm. attentive, aware, and just be in every single interaction. So for me, a big piece of that was once I came back into my body, because I had been dissociated after years of trauma and many things that happened. And on top of the headspace where I'm like, I just, I don't want to be here. I'm not comfortable here. So you dissociate. Mm. Being present is about being embodied and having all those. So I just lean into which skill or which which plane I need the most, Mm -hmm. but the spiritual or the quantum piece is where we all connect. And if we can't get that physical, that emotional and that mental balance within ourselves, our ability to connect with others won't happen. Mm -hmm. And that's like that magnetic aura field. And that's where, if you start reading about the vibration of living from the heart and the love is that it expands your magnetic field to like nine feet around you. And so it's hard. And so then if you can build a team here, mm-hmm. and that's been a big piece for me is like, I do have a vision and lots of people like to talk to me about what this integrative model really means to me. Mm-hmm. I actually can't get that out if I'm not building the ones around me mm-hmm. and we're coming into alignment yeah. and meeting because we are balanced or know how to balance ourselves. And that still allows for every day. Everybody's allowed to have a bad day and know where you're at. It's about building the awareness to mm-hmm. it and saying, and having the authenticity to say, this is like, not my day. Like, just like, don't even bring it to me. And we're at the point where we're like, got it. Like we know everybody's, mm-hmm. everybody's type. So, mm-hmm. so well, how and you're you not know- taking that personally. Like, that's what I heard you just say also is like, hey, Mm -hmm. I'm having a bad day. This isn't about you. This is just I'm working through and and having a bad day is also authentic. Let's be like, if you're not having bad days, that's not authenticity. That's bypassing reality, feelings, emotions, like what's actually happening. So, yep. 
And I think the way you know you're getting there, that you are being authentic, is by embarking on the healing journey and having these self-realization moments, which are, which is the inner workings of the healing. So this is where, like, if we don't have past experiences processed in our body, we're holding on to them somewhere in that physical, emotional, or mental sphere. As we come into these self-realization or self-actualization moments, we see where that negative is or like the lower vibrating piece, the the core wound, Mm -hmm. and we can heal that. Mm-hmm. And then that's what takes it out of the subconscious and pushing it out into the rest of the team. So if you like for eights, right, like don't, you know, we don't trust anyone, which mm-hmm. comes from probably not trusting ourselves. Probably I know it is, but then that's where it comes into like, how are you going to discover where you learn to not trust yourself? Mm-hmm. And when did you learn that when, who told you that? When did you start to believe that you couldn't trust yourself? Yeah. And I had my moment. It was one of my, do you want me to tell it? Here where you I want to, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on vacation with mm-hmm. my family in Florida and I had done something and I can't even remember the details are negotiable between mm-hmm. myself and my family members, yep. but my dad asked me if I took my stupid pills mm-hmm. and by all means, I was probably being a dingbat of a kid. I don't know what we were doing, you know, just how kids are and they don't think kind of thing. And everybody laughed and it was just kind of this long-standing joke. But then it would still trickle through the rest of my childhood and teenage years of him on occasion asking, did you take your stupid pals? And that those were times that he was really disappointed in me, but was taking something that I don't you know, I don't think he was doing it intentionally to harm me. I think he was trying to be like, dude, I said that because you were so unaware that time. Like, did you take your stupid pills? Like, how unaware are you right now? So on one hand, he's trying to guide me as a parent. On the other hand, he's wounding me. Yeah. Isn't isn't that it though? Like, isn't that it? (laughs) I mean, we're all screwing our kids up. Like, I mean, so give up the hope that that they're going to, you know, that's not part of the deal. (laughs) Yeah. The hope as a parent is just that you will be open enough for that when they decide they need to go get help and work on these things that you're like, yep, absolutely. Just clap and say, I know you'll talk yeah. about me. We can you talk to me about it if you want or not, but I'm clear you'll be talking about me. Have a great yeah. time with that. <laughs> yeah. So what happened was, is in my healing Like, why is it I don't trust myself? Why is it that I think like I know I can do these things as a sexual eight, three, five? I'm like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, that's not too hard. And then I get somewhere in there where a fear was triggered or some Mm -hmm. of those those fear-based things, or you could feel it in your body, and now you start to doubt yourself. Now you're not trusting yourself. And as little kids, up until the age of seven, we're super resilient. Like we live in this different brainwave state. And so it can be really easy. But this is also where a lot of those wounds happen. Thousand percent. Because we get past them, but then we don't realize that it made the mark and kind of pegged the cord into us, like until we figure that out in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And I say that in my healing journey to learn how to trust myself, I had to learn how to love myself for who I was. Mm -hmm. And who I was, was the girl the day before, the moment before Mm. I took my stupid pills that first time. Mm. That is the girl I had to find. That is the inner child Mm. I had to find. And that's what you do with all these things to find your authentic self, to live in authenticity, is you identify these core things of like, you know, 
the laundry list is long because once you start mm-hmm. healing one thing, the next oh, thing's going to come up. Just and be like, like hey, well, this is what? a progressive effort. Yeah. Like, we'll yeah. just keep All right. going. Well, now I'm ready. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and so anything that you take, you can take the most prevalent issue in your life of like, why is this just so awful? And just start asking yourself why. Mm-hmm. Well, why did I feel like that? How, like, how did I learn to and keep asking it over and over in those like, how, what, why kind of questions until you can get back until you were a child. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it is in your memory or there will be a memory of like, oh, that one time. And you're like, yeah. no, it couldn't have been over a stupid lasagna. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Definitely about lasagna. Well, and you, mm-hmm. you brought in a couple of things. So that zero to eight stages is that that stage when we're, we're absorbing, but not necessarily cognizant of what we're absorbing. So like we're, we're creating the stories around our fears at that time. So if we're speaking Enneagram, it's like, okay, well, I came out into this world oriented towards wanting power and control, but I'm going to start learning that zero to eight. And actually I'm going to learn a lot about what it means to have power and control zero to eight, but I'm not necessarily going to be able to articulate any of that. And then you get to a moment that you can recall I love that you brought in, you know, how, how do you get back? What is your authentic self? Well, they were probably, you were probably most yourself around five, six, seven, eight. Cause that was before you became conscious as we are now, like, as we are, like we're awake, we have, we have these very like straightforward pathways that have been already built in our brains during that time. And when you share about the stupid pills, I mean, I have that, I have not that moment, but an equivalent moment. And I think about that and I think about your eight power and control, your SX, which is all about connection and intensity, your three, which is all about, okay, I want success. I don't want to be seen as a failure, like failure equals shame five. I need to understand what a perfect, you know, what a perfect thing for your dad to say, to hit all of the things you fear most, what a perfect thing. And here's the thing I'll say, Kara and this is more for everybody else, because I know you know this, but if you had been set up completely different, say you're 279 or whatever, comment might not have landed on you. Or maybe it would, we don't know, but it would have landed differently and it would have meant something else. But because of what was already in you, what you were already set up to believe about yourself, that's the thing you remember. And that's the thing that we carry in. And until you can be like, I'm smart, I'm in control. I am successful just by breathing in this moment. Like we can say that, but until we believe it, there's very little access to authenticity because we will always, you will always be proving you're not stupid when you're in fear. Yep. And that is where all of these behaviors, your your behaviors, your patterns in life, in relationships, your family, at work, why, if you leave a place of employment because you don't like something about the way they do something or whatever, or you like don't have a good work-life balance, you're going to end up finding it at the next place because Absolutely. it's what you're projecting. Yeah. And so to me, like finding and knowing that authentic self, like how do you know you're in that? Mm-hmm. It comes back to where we're questioning, like how, you know, how do we fully lead people without pulling them, carrying them along, just surviving. (laughs) Yeah. To me, if you can authentically motivate someone, Mm -hmm. which can come from different work, but the Enneagram becomes Mm -hmm. such an easy tool 
Mm-hmm. To authentically motivate someone, you can bring more of your team members more quickly into alignment with the mission, vision, and values of your organization. Mm-hmm. And you'll know who's going to make it with you and be here forever and who's got your back. And so for an yeah. eight as a CEO and leading this place and needing, like not wanting to put my heart into it, always want success, mm-hmm. but I got to know <laughs> That's how I learned to trust people is because I get to know them. And I now, I mean, it's not like I never wanted to know people. I just genuinely want to know, like, what makes your soul go? And I don't talk about what's your weakness around here. It's like, dude, if I know you're an eight, I know what your weaknesses are. If if you're a six, like, and so like some of the corporate stuff, this is where it became like ethically and like morally conflicting was like, why would you even ask somebody what that is? I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to evaluate the balance on your team, but they weren't, it was like, well, you need to work on this. It's like oftentimes to lead people and maybe they are in that poor space of behavior. Are they actually acting poorly? And if they are, maybe it's in their fear-based self. So now learn how to authentically motivate them by their type mm-hmm. or as a leader yourself, do you even fucking know if it's you or them? Because yep. a lot of times it's you as an eight, as an operations leader, a director, a CEO, it's you because yep. you're operating out of that place of fear of the overconfidence, the instinctual eight gut type. Like these are the people who are bullies or unmovable. And honestly, you can't do anything to them other than to continue to provide them these like life changing events. Mm-hmm. That some point I just had to say, I can't do this anymore. I don't know why I'm like this, but I don't like myself and I'm going to mm-hmm. change. And that mm-hmm. is what my last like, you know, yeah. decade has been. Yeah. I don't, you know, and what I heard in that is not, you said, I don't like myself, but I also heard, I don't like the reactions I'm getting to the self I'm presenting. And the, what I, what we talk a lot about is like, there's the, the person the person, the persona that people see, which most people think is who they are until they realize that who they are is just, oh, it's it's how they are reacting to the people around them. And we are not how we react. We are how we react. That's how people perceive us. But that's not what we're talking about when we talk about true self, highest self or authentic self. Those people, when we're in that space, we can pause, realize it's not about us and then respond. And in the moments, I think I get a lot of calls, a lot of calls, usually from middle managers who have eight leaders, eight or three leaders. Um, And they're like, you're an eight. You don't seem so scary. Why the can't I talk to my person? And I was like, well, I think if you talk to my team, they would tell you that that sometimes I am scary. (laughs) And sometimes they now know because I've told them, hey, when I'm scary, I'm scared. When I'm scary, I'm scared. The thing you can do most quickly to de-escalate a situation if I'm being scary is to ask me what I'm scared of right now and to ask me from a space of compassion and like, hey, what, what are you scared of right now? And it will catch me so off guard because I'll be in my like, ah, you know, like it's all happening. And when they care for me like that, but I, I got to do that. I got to do the work to do that for my team. So what I say about a leader is whatever is in our organization is in us. That we're not exempt. We are leading it. We are we are the container of the organization. So if it's in us, it's in them. And they can only lead me to the extent that I've led them. That's it. That's all I can get. So I have to teach them how to lead me. But I think that that takes 
so much trust and true confidence because then you're also starting to create equals around you. And if you're power and control oriented, having true equals around you, in my experience, brings up another level of fear. Because then what if I'm not in power and control? What if I'm not the true leader? What if I lose my status here? What if I'm not? So it's like, it's this thing that I've continually had to to unpack, even as I've built really strong leaders around me. It's like, oh, that's a different feeling now that I feel a lot of equality to you. Because now I have to wrestle with power and control in a totally different way. And so I'm constantly like, there it is. Oh, that was that was my fear saying hello. That was your fear. Was that your fear? You know, I'm always like, one of my proudest moments was with my operations manager and we were going through a super tough time earlier this year and I was offloading or I don't know if it wasn't really offloading, but I was inviting her into the financial conversation for the, for the business for the first time ever. I was inviting somebody who wasn't my CPA into the financial conversation and I was terrified because I didn't want her to see where I'd messed up failed, been weak, not made a decision. She's incredibly adept at finances. Like this woman is just insane how she manages her pennies. And we got into it and there was like one thing that I didn't want to show her or I held back. And in my head, I was doing it for her safety, like her mental and emotional safety. I didn't, at that point in time, I didn't want to see, I didn't want her to see the bottom line in our bank account. Because while I could handle that number, sort of, kind of, because I had to, I had to handle it because I had to, I did not want to place the burden of that bottom nine number on her because I also know that the reason she's such a phenomenal budgeter is because she's got a lot of fear around money and not having it. So we got to have that conversation though. She, she felt like I was withholding or not trusting her. And, but she came back to me and said, oh, you're protecting me. Maybe that's not what I felt in the moment, but I get that that's what you're trying to do. And she was able to say, she was able to then decide when she saw that it was protection, whether she wanted that protection or didn't want that protection. And she was actually like, you know what? I think it's totally okay. If I don't know that exact piece of the puzzle, I can do everything I need to do and maintain positivity and structure without knowing that. And I was like, that's exactly what I need from you. I will handle that, that piece, that number. You get to handle the rest. And it was this the coolest moment of just like, I think I taught her how to do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, oh man, you've said a lot and so much resonates with me. At Ivory House, we believe that every human deserves to have an incredible image of themselves. Widely recognized and recommended as Des Moines' leading portrait studio, we specialize in capturing all the best angles of camera shy professionals. Our skilled photographers guide you through the entire process with careful posing and detailed direction, sharing their confident energy and years of experience along the way. Clients routinely leave the studio saying, wow, that was so easy. No one has ever made me feel that comfortable and confident in front of the camera. And best yet, when can I do this again? If you are camera shy and looking to change that negative narrative, then Ivory House is the place for you. We cannot wait to show you how good you can look and feel all while being photographed. talking about the authenticity, taking people as deep as we've gone, learning to trust ourselves so that we can Mm -hmm. trust others. Mm -hmm. And if we have a fear coming up, like 
ask me what I'm scared of. And to me, it's not necessarily about me always knowing how deep I've gone so I can take others there, which can be a very common trait, like in an eight is like, well, nobody's going to do it. And yes, it's a trust thing, but you even say it as you talk about the Enneagram, we're a little bit of all of these numbers. So if I'm actually some version of everyone else, we really are all one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not about power and control. You're able to give up this notion. It's like, now it's a joke that I'm the active controller around here because mm-hmm. in the same joke, there's another one that like, I have no freaking control around <laughs> here other than yep. of myself. Yeah, And that's where the, uh, the concept of surrender comes in mm-hmm. and allowing the flow. So stepping out of that negative or that fear-based space. Mm-hmm. And that has to come from within first because we only allow people we can only allow people to let us feel or not feel a certain way. It's not, you don't get to say, you made me angry because you did this. It's like, no, you allowed that person to, to make that you feel angry. So it's the same thing. Like for me as a, like, I don't feel safe sometimes in places. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, maybe I know what I need to feel safe. Are you allowing someone to make you feel safe? Mm-hmm. You know, are you allowing someone to meet you mm-hmm. where your fears are? To make you feel the thing that you're saying that you need. Like sometimes the other people probably get it before you do once they oh. start really getting on board with the Enneagram and knowing those pieces. Mm-hmm. And to me, it has been as an eight and all of the other work that I've done and the spirituality is coming back that like you really are all equals. And the things that we're doing here when we implement it into our system is meant that like we want work-life balance here. Everybody has, whether you're a provider, you know, or whoever works on our team, we have the same opening and closing routine of what everybody's expected to do for the first 30 minutes of their day as they walk mm-hmm. into the business in the last 30 days. And that if you do those things, I mean, you can certainly choose not to do them mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what level you are around here. Like anybody can choose to do them or not do them. But in the end, it gives you all the same result, which is to leave here at the end of the day and not have to deal that. But that took massive amounts of surrender for myself, mm-hmm. knowing that I could not control these things. And I mean, I'm still not even controlling it by saying, Hey, here's the process. It's just, I can control what I do for myself. And when I can control myself and be regulated Mm -hmm. and come from an open heart space, I can authentically lead others Mm -hmm. and motivate them. And that is how we're making the difference Mm -hmm. here. That's Mm -hmm. how we're changing things because it's a vibe in our office. It's not just something that you get with me as your, as your provider. Mm -hmm. Like it's not selected to that because we offer that within our entire team. It extends Mm -hmm. that energetic space, Mm -hmm. that magnetic space. And if you start reading any of the philosophy on like the oneness or where do we exist Mm -hmm. from the divine, the spirituality piece, a lot of the. The literature says the same thing, mm-hmm. like the Bhagavad Gita, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, finding oneness. When you can find the ability to just be, which mm-hmm. is present, embodied, I have all of these planes in check. I'm sitting here and being authentic. That is the space that allows for miracles to happen. Because mm-hmm. it's a space of allowance. If we're in control, we're not allowing. Allowance, abundance, harmony, flow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've covered ourselves. We've covered some things that have to do with the team. And, you know, we could talk about this for forever, but I really do also want to talk about the space you're creating 
in medicine because we're due for a pretty huge change up in healthcare. It's watching it happen. This is, you know, I'm not some sort of premonition person. Like the human beings in our world are screaming for something different, whether it's through their bodies, their mouths, or their policy. Um, And you have a very, you have obviously the corporate, you know, you know, more standardized, we think of as healthcare experience. And then you chose to go a different route. And when you think about healing and medicine, are they the same? Are they different? Are, can they be together? What is that for you? (laughs) What, because like, I don't go to traditional doctors anymore (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I'm sick, but I want to be well. Um, There's nothing wrong with me. I never would have to ever go to the doctor, but I want to be okay, which means that I go see you. I have a chiropractor. I do all these things that aren't covered by my insurance. (laughs) And I mean, you're covered by my insurance, but I, the other things I do are not. And so I'm curious, how do you heal in healthcare? It starts with knowing yourself Mm -hmm. and that piece that we've already talked about with knowing yourself allows you to lead authentically. And that doesn't have to mean that you're the CEO of a company or a manager. It's like, if you're a nurse, like you're Mm -hmm. leading the space that you're in with that patient. Yeah. Who are you being in that? Who are you being with that patient? Are you Mm -hmm. being a healing presence and not sacrificing yourself to be healing? That's also Mm -hmm. when I think about nurses, like they can be very healing, but are they sacrificing themselves to heal others? Because that's not equity. That's not healing. Yeah. The thing that, you know, I don't necessarily think healing and medicine, there's not an overlap right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're going with some of these mm-hmm. things that are are changing in the healthcare terrain. Mm-hmm. And it, this past year, I was at the Institute for Functional Medicine and Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who's the founder of Institute for Functional Medicine, put forth a pretty hefty call to action. Mm. And of course, it's an integrative and functional research-based organization that is meant to complement the American Medical Association and that piece. So it's coming from the place of medical science, but they're saying, hey, there's this other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And he he made the call for it, just like we've kind of all been saying lowly, but it's healthcare, as we know, it cannot exist on this disease-based model. Yeah. It has to turn into a well-based model mm-hmm. and for healthcare to become healing and a wellness-based model, it has to become spiritually relevant, mm. which means how does it become spiritually relevant? Getting to know yourself and healing the stuff that's within us, because that in turn allows other people to heal from that. That in turn, when you have recognized that in yourself, you're able to witness someone for who they are the steps that they're making, the progress, the things that are happening on their journey. And really in the end, Whitney, like when you say you get calls or whatever, like when I would reach out Mm -hmm. to you, most oftentimes we just want to be witnessed and heard Mm -hmm. for what we're going through. And it doesn't have to be anything more than that, but we're not doing that in healthcare. Patients are going in and saying, I have all these symptoms. They're like, no, that's not possible. I mean, I have story after story after story. It's like, just like our our reality is subjective to us and what we mm-hmm. know and what we were born and raised on. Like that is their reality. Who are you to say, no, there's no way. Like 
I'm sorry. I'm sure it is really difficult to be in pain all the time. That doesn't mean that mm-hmm. you believe them. That means I heard you that it's really hard on you to live in this kind of pain. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that right now as a healthcare system because of all the reasons is a whole other session, but that's yeah, where the yeah, spiritual relevancy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what I the through thread that I hear on every single one of these paths is listening, literally listening. Yeah, listening. And that comes the ability to truly listen or hear or witness someone comes from your ability to sit with yourself. Like, can you Mm -hmm. even like accept yourself enough to be present in this space and not be dissociated or have any Mm -hmm. of those realms out of balance? Mm -hmm. And that's what happens. And then the other thing is, is when you're having trouble being present with that patient or when I have it, mm-hmm. do you have the tools to bring yourself back to self to say, hey, I recognize this is happening in my body mm-hmm. or I've got something stemming up from what they're saying, but I need to be mm-hmm. present because that's what happens, right? Like yeah. as a medical provider, yeah, you start having an internal reaction and judging what that person across from you is saying, which is now making you unable to actually manage their illness or their condition because you're projecting your subconscious beliefs, self-limiting we, beliefs. When we, instead of listening, we are it's so fascinating. What I learned is instead of listening, I was actually, I was feeling, but not, but not owning my feelings about their feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I was just reacting and still, still like, you know, as much as I work to not do that, it still happens. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm overwhelmed, if I'm not, if I haven't done enough for myself that day, if I haven't set myself up well, like if I haven't done all the things, there's a lot of things that I do each day, each week, each month, each year to make sure that I can be who I am, who I want to be. And what I say all the time is you're going to do the work up front or you're going to do it on the back end. You're either going to prepare for a scenario or you are going to clean up for a scenario. And most of us clean up and are exhausted because we think that preparing will exhaust us. And I'm like, listen, y'all, Preparing is the greatest freedom you will ever have. And this is coming from somebody who grew up flying by the seat of my pants because I thought I could. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we could literally talk forever, but I, I would love, how do we end this? If you are somebody, if you are somebody seeking authenticity, let's go with authenticity. If you are somebody who are looking, who's like, I don't want to be this version of myself anymore. Are there one or two things you can say, okay, here's the first, like an actual action item. Like what is one of the very first things that you would explore, implement, you know, walk down that road? The first thing would be whatever is most prevalent for them. Whatever is their most pressing issue is your starting point. And that's where it's like people will come in and, you know, this is why we are here as guides on this journey of coming back to self. It's because they come in here and they're like, well, I need to do this and I need to be super restrictive with my food and what supplements should I take? And, mm-hmm. you know, but if you have just come in because you're late because of the traffic and you are spending the first 10 minutes of our appointment distracted because you're still thinking about how like you were late and all the stoplights, mm-hmm. that's our first issue. Yes. Can you let go? Oh, this is something that when people walk into the studio for my photo studio, people walk in late, people walk in flustered, people walk into the studio with fear, like period. That's I, every single day I am 
every single 10 minutes, which is the average length of my photo shoot, I am dealing with interfacing. You can see in my language, sometimes it feels like I'm dealing with if I'm not in a place for it. But I used to feel like I was constantly dealing with it because I hadn't given to myself enough. Now, but I, but I know when it's still happening. Now I can be like, oh, I don't have to deal with this. They're having their own experience. I am just part of their day. I didn't do this. And in fact, I can be a huge shift in their day. And that's what people actually pay me for. Um, they think they're paying for photos. What they're actually paying for is my unwillingness to let anybody sit in the same space that they walked in with. And so if someone walks in late and they want to focus on that, I'm like, hi, I'm, I, I left that the second you walked into the door. You've only got seven minutes left in your appointment. How about we make the most of that seven minutes and you're going to walk out of here feeling completely different. And it's that listening, it's that being in yourself. And then, you know, for somebody who's looking for the next step, what I heard you say is, what's the thing that's on fire? What's the thing you don't want to do? Actually, what's the thing you deeply don't want to do? Do something about it. (laughs) Do something about it. In the end, I tell people we are our biggest barrier to Mm -hmm. all of our problems, Mm -hmm. all the resistance in our life. And we also are the only solution. Truth, truth, truth. And when you own that, that's power and control. That's how we as eights, that that was a big moment for me when I learned is influence is all I have to be is the best version of myself and everyone changes around me. That's it. Yes. Today I am the highest and best version of myself that I know how to be. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's a, it's a following day. Like where you're like, okay, like, and this is, I'm just going to be down the rabbit hole right now. I'm going to be there. It's fine. I'll see you. But when I'm in that space, I'm also like, cool. I'm a little bit of a danger to myself and others right now. And I'm just going to wave the red flag and be like, hi, it's a red, it's a red day. Like, and, and if I can say that, then nobody takes me personally. No one's, no one's trying to coddle me or like change it or whatever. They're just like, cool. Enjoy, enjoy yeah. your day. I'll see, I'll see you when you're back on your feet. The the second piece of like getting on this journey as we're closing this out is, and we've talked about it in pieces. I like to let people know, like not only do you just pick what's first there, mm-hmm. know that as we awaken and we raise our level of consciousness and we do these things, we go up. And so many people are like, I'm on this roller coaster and it's down and up and down and up. And, you know, consider baseline here. Mm -hmm. You think you're going like up and down and under the baseline. What you're really doing is you're climbing. Mm -hmm. And as you attain a certain level of consciousness or knowledge about yourself, you have to come back into the present moment, that embodied moment Mm -hmm. to clean up the pieces, to move your life into that space. And so you're not dipping below baseline again. What you're doing is it's just tiny dips, but you're still climbing. And that's what creates the arc, the projected curve of what healing is. And that is the growth into the authentic self. There's so many different versions of yourself as the authentic self, but it depends on where we raise our level of consciousness to coming back down, clearing it up and then and climbing again. Absolutely. We grow, we have these moments, but generally we have these moments in like protected or like spaces where we can grow, which for me has always required some sort of like true safety, either by myself or in a group that I've created that safety. But then we have to go back into our real life and be the person who grew. And the real life will be like, hi, come back into the mess. Like, you know, be be the old version of yourself. That's what we expect. That's what we want. 
And it is, yeah. So if you're on this journey, it's, you know, recording this first of the year, this will go out in about a month or so. So it'll be early in 2024 when you're all listening to this. And if you've made some goals, resolutions, whatever it is, non-negotiables, ins and outs for the year seem to be big. Just know that as you go in, the out is going to be, or whatever, whichever direction. If you go up, the down is going to be right there for you. And it's going to be tempting. And it's going to be like, you are who you've always been. That's It's so easy to believe that. The harder thing to believe is I am whoever I decide to be. And trusting ourselves that we know who we are. Mm. And she wraps it up with a big old eight bow. Kara, so, so, so good to have this conversation recorded. This is a very typical conversation between Kara and I. So you are now just a part of it. And please, Kara, where can they find you if they want? If you live in Des Moines, Iowa, where can you find Kara? Our practice is Integrative Family Medicine. Our handle for website, social media is Integrative Med Iowa, Iowa spelled out. Or you can find me, Kara Dobles. I'm KD, the Integrative NP on Instagram or Facebook, or you're happy to connect with me on LinkedIn. Ah, so good, Kara. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Evoke EQ podcast, where we have emotionally intelligent conversations for evolving leaders. It is our mission to make the Midwest an emotionally intelligent place to work and live. Whether you're in the Midwest or beyond, we hope you have found value in listening to our conversations. You can participate by leaving us comments or writing a review. We look forward to feedback as feedback is how we learn, grow, and change. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for more curious, connected conversations.